Hi, and welcome to the I Believe Your Abuse podcast, where we talk all things narcissistic abuse, focusing mostly on those who are or have been in an intimate relationship with a narcissist. I'm your host, Brandy Fuller Anderson. I am a counselor, coach, advocate, and author of the newly updated and released book, I Believe You, Escaping Understanding and Healing from Narcissistic Abuse. Before we get started, just know that narcissists can be both male and female, married or single, straight or gay, rich or poor. My stories are about my ex-narcissist, who's a he, so it's just how I tell my story, and it helps me to remain consistent. But please insert your own pronoun to make it fit your story. If you have any questions about what I mean when I say narcissist, You can go back and give a listen to episodes 1 and 2 where I explain this in more detail. Meeting someone new for the first time, whether you were looking for a new romantic partner or you weren't, can be a fun and exciting time. The rush of emotions, the butterflies in your stomach, the draw of the unknown, The never-ending conversations when you literally know nothing about each other, so you never run out of things to talk about. The way you feel self-assured, knowing that you're interested in someone who is just as interested in you. Being swept up in this thrilling new adventure together feels special, and it is. It's like the two of you are floating in your own bubble separated from all the other worries of the world and maybe even from all the other people in the world when you want to spend all of your time with just each other. Commonly, as the two of you find these new things out about each other, you praise the qualities that you like by showering this new person with compliments. Naturally, you might be looking for someone who has some things in common with you. So you get excited each time you and your new partner find common ground with your interests. You may get little gifts of affection from this new person and you may want to constantly bring little gifts yourself as a sign that you were thinking of this person and are really enjoying their company and feel that they're special. Of course, you are both on your best behavior because you really want to be accepted and liked, right? You wouldn't show up to a first date without your makeup on if you're someone who wears daily makeup. You only want this person to see the best you. You don't immediately share your most embarrassing faults with this new person. You may want to call and talk to this person or see this person all the time. You're infatuated and swept up in this new chapter in your life. It's exhilarating. Intoxicating. Everything feels good. Is this how you remember that new exciting phase of early relationships? Is this healthy or not healthy? How will you know? 
If you were to poll people on the beginning stages of their relationship, whether it lasted or it failed, whether it was toxic or not, most would describe the experience just like this. But you, especially now, when you wonder where your last or current relationship went off the rails and how you got where you are, you're less likely to be eager to get excited by this phase any longer and are more prone to suspicion when you feel happiness, excitement, or romance. So how will you know if what is happening is good or if it's the start of this cycle that you've become all too familiar with? Let's talk about love bombing. As fun as it was, and as good as it felt, you probably know that you never want to experience love bombing again, am I right? At the same time, there's a good possibility that while you were growing up or being raised, you were learning how love would feel or what it would look like. You might have been learning that floods of attention passionate encounters and sweet gifts were all sweet and encouraging signs that you may have met your soulmate. It happens in all of those sappy movies that people around you pretended were representations of true love. These behaviors alone are amazing and positive. So how do they pair up against love bombing? Love bombing is not a new term. It was first used back around the 1970s, and the act of love bombing has no doubt been around for much, much longer than that. It's a non-technical term that has been adopted by many to describe the idealization phase in the abuse cycle. And it's a tactic that's commonly used by narcissists when courting a new potential partner or supply source, or Anytime there's a need to pull you further into the relationship, such as times when you might be considering or working on escaping it. But as you can see, while love bombing can include lots of attention and thinking of you text messages, tons of passion, thoughtful gifts, and sweet gestures, these behaviors are not a sign that what you are experiencing is love bombing and can be quite common at the start of all relationships. Love bombing is a much more toxic phase. A narcissist can be aware or unaware of this behavior. As you know, narcissists are the least self-aware people on the planet, so there's good chance that they're not fully aware of this behavior However, it's still a manipulative behavior because narcissists in those first encounters, they're still making an attempt to influence you or basically take control of what you think and how you feel. I have to believe that especially experienced narcissists that have been through a cycle a few times know exactly how it's going to end from the very beginning and know the kinds of things that he needs to say or do to influence a new potential partner 
even if he isn't self-aware enough to know why it won't work out in the end. He absolutely wants you to see him as the best possible person. And he does this quite easily because he spends much of his time trying to convince himself that he's a much better version of who he actually is. He has lots of practice. Deep down, he actually knows he's pretending to be a person of a quality he could never actually match up to. He also knows, if he's done this before, that he only needs to convince you of this this one time. So he focuses a lot of effort into it. If he's coming out of another relationship, or even if he's still in it, and you're unaware, he's been deflated by the fact that the previous partner was pointing out his flaws and breaking down his inflated ego. So he's probably very excited by this new person who's none the wiser and is looking at him with only adoration and interest and with complete blindness to any of the fragmented maladaptive areas that he works so hard to hide from the world. This is what he loves about you in the beginning your ignorance to his game. He will use attention and affection, but these will be intensely thrown in your direction. The attention will be constant, whether it be together or via text message throughout the day. In fact, love bombing today has got to be so much more intense than when it was first being used as a term or when it was way back before the assistance of the digital age where cell phones and social media have exponentially sped up the way in which these predators can continue to stay in contact with you at all times. You might receive constant messages throughout your workday and hours-long messaging sessions in the nighttime. He will often prefer this type of messaging over a phone call, not only because he's likely talking to multiple people at once, but also because it makes it easier for him to construct what he says in return, rather than having to think quickly and be himself, someone that he has no idea how to be. Getting more than 30 text messages a day from someone who you barely know might seem like much when thinking about it now, but at the time, you saw it as an exciting time in which you were falling in love with this person. You two were really connecting. He couldn't get enough of you and you were thinking about him all the time. All people need to experience affirmation and attraction and this new phase just hit the spot. Not only were there maybe gifts now, not all narcs do this. In fact, several do not. But maybe you got some gifts and lots of attention. But promises of this amazing future. Narcs live in fantasy worlds and often dream up false plans for the future and talk in fantasies. They might say something like, when I take you to Paris one day, we're going to visit this amazing restaurant that I know about. Does the narc truly believe this is going to happen? I don't think so. But when you hear it, you think to yourself, 
this person can see a future with me. That must mean he's serious about me, right? He throws these things at you quickly. This early relationship phase must move quickly, so he keeps things as fast-paced as possible. If it wasn't moving so fast, you might stop and think about what's happening. You may realize how quickly things are moving, how intense and exhausting it really is, and you may see glimpses of this person's flaws rather than the carefully crafted persona that he's chosen to show you. It's important none of this take place because if it did, you may not stick around very long. And depending on what you have to offer the narcissist by way of supply, he probably wants to keep you around until he's depleted that supply. It's important to note, love bombing is most famously used to describe the early stages of a relationship. However, it's actually just the first stage in the abuse cycle. But it is a cycle, so love bombing can happen again and again. Each time that stage of the abuse cycle rolls back around. He will love bomb or idealize, devalue, and discard. And then he will love bomb again. This cycle will continue until you end it. Even if you've been discarded by the narcissist and it feels final, trust me when I tell you that the abuse cycle will continue until such time that you end it. Love bombing in and of itself is not abuse, but it is part of the cycle of abuse. It gets you interested, gets you hooked, contributes to the confusion that you will feel, begins building the trauma bond, and keeps you hanging on when the devaluation begins. Let's talk about what else the narc gets out of it. The narcissist is putting his best foot forward during this early phase. He wants to make sure he appears to be the most desirable person you've ever met. He's well aware he may need to lie, trick, and pretend in order to accomplish this. He wants to appear smart, strong, talented, generous, or wealthy. Since he knows he's lying much of the time, he also knows that unless he keeps you infatuated and clueless, you'll see through this charade. So he keeps things moving at supersonic speeds, with no time to stop and examine those boundaries, the very thing that acts as kryptonite to the narcissist. His actions are all about controlling the narrative from the very beginning. He is designing the ways in which you will see him and he's planting it so deeply that when you start to see signs that he is someone different, you will deny them, shrug them off, ignore them. The narcissist is taking control of this phase and he knows it. Since you are nothing but an object for the narcissist, controlling you seems like a normal course of action. At no time will he ever stop to think about how this relationship will have an effect on you.
The narcissist will tell you stories about his life and you will think that he's opening up and trying to connect, get closer. In actuality, he's telling you stories that are either entirely false or at the very least embellished. He will tell you stories about how he's a star at some sport that he plays or almost made it to the Olympics. Or how he was in a bar fight, he protected some old grandma, or he broke several bones. While only partially true, if at all, he tells these stories not only to make you think that he's opening up and being vulnerable, but also because he wants you to see him as strong. It's part of the person that he's building for you, the persona that he's going to present, and he's starting to build those pieces. Why would you suspect that these were not true stories? He may buy a round for the bar or brag about his latest promotion. This is because it's important to him that you see him as wealthy or generous. Remember all of those text messages that you got constantly? This showering of attention serves a couple purposes. You liked it at the time because you were constantly thinking of him, and it was nice to hear from him because it meant that he was thinking of you also. It probably never occurred to you that the reason you were thinking about him all of the time is because he was constantly reaching out to you. He was making sure he was always top of mind and was taking the place of any of those other messy thoughts that kept you grounded and focused and as planned, it was keeping you from thinking of any other suitors, should they come calling. He had staked his claim. He also loves that spotlight, and has to make sure all eyes are on him, so it feeds his ego every time you answer or reach out and affirm for him that you're thinking of him and him alone, even if he sent that same message to five other potential mates that day. He wants to be on your good side. But more than that, he's carefully pretended to be everything that you've ever wanted. Your response assures him that you're buying this crafted fantasy person he's presenting to you. He wants to know that you're so submersed in this game that it's all you're focused on. This way, you're not noticing his actions or what other people are saying but are simply noticing the character he's playing for you. And this will very much come in handy for him later when you continue to focus on his words rather than his actions. Narcissists are famous boundary stompers and bombarding you with attention, affection, and fantasy future dreams helps him to test and eventually break down any boundaries that may exist. Remember, love bombing can happen later in the relationship also, although the experience of the subsequent love bombing stages can feel drastically different to you. In these later stages, he also has a reason for the love bombing. He may be trying to get you to stop noticing something he's doing wrong, or to get you to forget about what he just said that hurt you. He may want you to start trying harder to adore him if you'd been showing a little disdain for him lately. 
he may want you to feel guilty for something that he wants you to take blame for. He may just be bored and wants to be sure he keeps you hanging on as a future option in case he needs attention, a place to live, to borrow money, easy sex, or anything else that you may have to offer. He may have been working on a successful affair and therefore had little care about whether or not you were happy or still hanging on. But suddenly that relationship fell through and came to a halt. Therefore, he will suddenly need to hang on to you until he can find another. So he'll start to reel you back in, no matter how far he had let you go. Now keep in mind, not all narcissists are the same. They have very predictable behavior patterns that make them similarly identifiable. This is some of, we went over this a little bit in episodes one and two, but in actuality, they have their own personality traits, temperaments, desires, and everything else that makes individuals, well, individual. They're not going to all operate in exactly the same way and may have very different motivations for the way they choose to do so. So while all narcs idealize, devalue, and discard, they may have different reasons for doing so, may go about it differently, and may expect different things from the end result. There are also different types of narcissists. For example, the narcissist might be love-bombing so he can score a one-night stand, so he can find a long-term mate, or so he can have an affair. Or maybe he just likes to run back to some of his old flames to prove that he still holds some control over them. And his behavior might change accordingly with each of these motivations. A closet or covert narc might seek a partner who he can idolize. Someone who is highly confident or who he can learn from. While a malignant narc might simply be looking for someone he can extort or take advantage of. No matter his motivation, no matter how he goes about it. No matter which partner he finds and traps. There will be no change in the way the cycle continues on. Narcs are unable to regulate their own self-esteem and are very self-centered and lack empathy. So they'll be unable to continue on to a normal, healthy relationship. And he can't continue to project this false image indefinitely. Everything done at this stage is designed to test your boundaries. He presents himself as this character that he wishes he was, his idealized self. He gains your trust. He does this so you're not likely to question him right away when you see some things that don't exactly add up. And even so, you'll blame yourself before blaming him and attempt to change who you are and what you're doing when he begins to criticize you. Do you wonder who is likely to fall prey to the love bomb? Well, unfortunately, the answer is everyone. There's no one specific personality type, character trait, 
physical attribute or anything else that needs to be present in a person for the love bomb to be effective. As discussed, the love bomb can very easily be mistaken for the exciting first stages of any new relationship. Anyone can be caught off guard or blinded by the rush of it all. In order to continue past this stage, narcissists need only find someone that allows them to ignore any boundaries they have in place. That's why he puts so much effort into keeping you distracted, disoriented, and getting you to ignore them. It doesn't matter if you started with boundaries because the narcissist will simply attempt to cloud your judgment with confusion while he works to diminish those boundaries. If you have extremely rigid boundaries, then you will probably bounce that narcissist right off of them when the love bombing starts to fade, or if not before that, and he won't have the chance to get much supply from you. But anyone else is fair game. It's true that you may be especially susceptible to falling for the love bombing phase if you came from a family where instead of having healthy emotional attachments, family members were more distant, maybe even aloof or abusive and frequently bought you gifts to buy your love rather than actually showing it because you probably won't see this constant attention and gift giving as anything other than signs of love. But essentially, anyone can fall prey to this game. This projection of their ideal self cannot go on forever. Imagine living undercover, keeping up a ruse, and having to constantly think about what you're saying so that you don't slip and say something wrong or let the real you out. Exhausting, right? The narc knows this game won't go on forever. He's probably done this a time or two and is quite familiar with the cycle. While there may be some disagreement on this, I don't believe it's accidental when the real face of the narc starts to show himself. See, whether the narc was fully aware of the game he was playing and what the fallout would be or not, the act still managed to paint this beautiful picture of possibility for you. This dream future of a life together with your perfect partner. You think you know this person admire this person, love this person. You have a real connection and you really know who he is. The narc has you right where he wants you. So he will start to test your boundaries little by little. He will show you small dents in his persona. And when you blow those off as oddities, he will flash a little more reality at you. And each time you accept small devaluations, this cues the narcissist to make them a little bigger and then a little bigger. If your narcissist was one that was really feeling the rush of that first meeting, he was probably expecting that obsession and infatuation to continue and he wanted it to. 
It's such a great distraction from all those things he hates to feel. It covers up the emptiness. And he's not happy when this comes to an end. And he will most certainly assign the blame of it to you. At the same time, he's starting to see some of your flaws and realizing that you are maybe not quite as great as he thought you would be. Does this realization mean that he will walk away? Of course not, because he was never actually looking for a mutual connection. Instead, he found something he could use you for, and he's not yet done draining it from you. He thinks on a hierarchy, and now that he realizes you're not as great as he thought, he starts to devalue you. All of those things that he first loved about you, he's now complaining about and putting down. Since you are unsure exactly what's happening, you'll start to reflect and examine your own behaviors. You might search for what you've done to cause his unhappiness, and you will attempt to change yourself to make him happy. It won't happen, of course, since this person is a person who will never be happy. But at the same time, as real life goes on and he's unable to deal with the seriousness or the responsibility of it all, he will start to feel like a failure. And he won't like this. And he will project those feelings onto you. This will cause him to see you as being even more flawed. And this will lead to even more devaluing. And so on and so on. As these two things continue to happen, him projecting onto you and you continuing to change yourself to reach a goalpost that is constantly being moved, it will lead to the discard phase. You could throw in the towel and decide that you've had enough, or he could decide to move on to one of his side pieces who are not making him feel less than in this moment. There could be a huge blow up in your relationship, such as you catching him cheating, stealing, or lying. And it could look like it might be the end of the relationship. Cue love bombing. He will always try to pull you in deeper when it looks like you have one foot out the door. And it will be effective, again. Because the ups and downs and confusion that has already been taking place has created the trauma bond and left you yearning for this love bomb phase. You want nothing more than to escape this person devaluing you, manipulating you, arguing with you, and to return to that person who first showered you with affection. So you might jump at the chance when he comes back around trying to suck you back in. You have now entered the most dangerous part of this cycle. And you never saw it coming. So how can you look out for it so you never find yourself in this trap in the first place? Study all you can about NPD and the narcissistic abuse cycle. Discuss it with your friends. 
Make sure the people you know who are dating are aware that this type of person exists and what the relationship might look like. Study the red flags that have been reported by the many, many survivors of narcissistic abuse so that you know how to listen to those clues that induce a familiar response in you. Check out some of our red flag episodes here or read an extensive list in my updated book and know them well so that you'll trust your gut when something starts to feel off. Keep educating yourself, not only about this abuse cycle, but on the different types of narcissists and how each might seem a little different when courting you. By understanding exactly what they may be trying to get from you, what supplies you may have to offer that he may be trying to use you for, and even how he will appear when starting this show, his when he starts to show his true self, how that might look. It's really important that you don't keep secrets. Have someone that you can confide in and share the details of your new relationship with them. Notice if you start to feel like there are aspects that you no longer want to share with anyone. This is a red flag, but never stop sharing. Make sure there's someone that you're talking to at all times. Sometimes your heart and even your head will not tell you the truth that you need to hear. So know that you're confiding in a friend that absolutely will tell you the truth if needed. If you find yourself feeling less than confident, assured or cared for in your relationship, or just have a feeling that something's not quite right, talk it through with your friend or just end it. These are the feelings that accompany healthy relationships, feeling assured, feeling cared for, feeling comfortable. And if you're not feeling them, that's a huge sign that something's wrong. Most importantly, work on you. Never stop working on your self-esteem and your personal boundaries. Don't put yourself out there willy-nilly. Know what it is you're looking for in a partner and what character traits you are not willing to put up with. Set limitations and stick to them. Limit your text communication and opt for a phone call instead, or even a video chat. It's much easier to get a feel for a person and how real they are when you're face-to-face with each other. Remember that it's not cute or mysterious to be secretive. So walk away from anyone who seems to struggle being open, struggle with being open and honest about their lives, especially their day-to-day activities. Properly space out your relationship. Be able to clearly distinguish your first date, second date, third date, and so on. Don't let anyone rush you through these early stages. This is often done while he chips away at your self-esteem because it tricks you into believing if you don't follow the rushed pace, then he may move on to someone else or you may miss your chance. But if he's right for you, he will go at whatever healthy pace you choose. I should also note that just because you do not notice signs of love bombing does not mean that you're safe in knowing this new person is not a narcissist. I know that isn't comforting, 
But that's why it's so important to continue educating yourself about narcissists. Covert or closet narcissists tend to shy away in new situations because they don't like to be in the spotlight, always fearing rejection from others. So they will be less likely to put themselves out there and may not initiate some of these typical love bombing behaviors. With malignant narcissists, and I know most victims believe their partner is a malignant narc, but this is just due to lack of understanding because these narcissists are actually very rare, but they also tend to be much more suave, confident, and always saying whatever you want to hear. And they really don't have to get mixed up in the rush of emotions because they simply aren't feeling them. So it can be very hard to detect this person as a narcissist early on. Also, I should probably add that typical people with no personality disorder whatsoever can also act a little crazy in a new relationship. And they're swept up in the newness and excitement of it all. So you also can't assume every person that tries to rush your relationship or gets a little overeager with affection is a narc. The key to understanding the difference lies in your ability to notice not only the red flags, but what comes next. So educating yourself on narcissism and on narcissistic abuse is imperative. Love bombing is not healthy and can be emotional abuse. But the experience of love bombing in and of itself is not dangerous. What is dangerous is your inability to walk away when the devaluing begins. So continuing to work on your self-esteem is important so that you have the strength to walk away no matter how invested you may have become in this relationship. You may be weeks or longer into this relationship before you start to notice something off kilter. And you want to be confident about your gut feeling and you want to have the strength and self-esteem that allows you to walk away and save yourself when you notice those red flags. Look, you guys, encountering a narcissist is not like most other abusive relationships. You aren't going to have this turning point, this one clear moment where things go from not abusive to abusive. This moment in which your partner hits you or threatens you, or there's some big experience you go through that's like, you know, wow, I'm being abused. You will not know that you were in an abusive relationship. Not until you are long into it. After you have considered your own flaws, wondered if you were the abuser, pitied your damaged partner, and felt like a failure. After that, you may look into what is happening by researching disorders or getting some things off your chest, but by this point, you're already trauma bonded. Your self-worth has been weakened, and you are probably already feeling the symptomology of the complex PTSD that you will carry with you when you leave this relationship. And because, as we have covered here, there's so much overlap in early relationship behaviors that are and are not concerning. The only way to protect yourself is to educate yourself on NPD 
and on narcissistic abuse. Don't stop educating yourself. Educate others. Talk openly about it. We can't keep letting these predators live in the shadows of dating society. Tell your story. Listen to the stories of others. Share what you know and always want to learn more. Consider those different types of narcissists and what each of their motivations are and what they might want from you or how they might go about getting it. You should be proud of yourself and how far you've come. So tell your story without hesitation. Not only does it help you to remember how far you've come and of how much stronger you are now, but it offers inspiration to others who are struggling. And it brings awareness to a topic that, unfortunately, most people don't become cognizant of until they're caught up in the mess of it all. Stop by our t-shirt shop on the website and get yourself a shirt to wear that brings facts and terminology into the public eye. Practice self-love. Make it a normal part of your routine. Talk to someone if you need to. Keep strengthening your self-esteem and discovering your boundaries. Your only chance to protect yourself from this type of person again in the future is to be educated, aware, self-assured, and ready when it's presented to you. And we have a duty to others to try to save them from the same fate, so we share these stories. And since if you are unlucky enough to be presented with this situation again in the future, you may be confused by the time you realize things aren't right, you want to have the self-awareness and self-esteem to walk away from something that you know feels off. Pity the next narc that tries to fool you because you are no longer that naive person that first fell for this trap. You are fierce. You are smart. And your boundaries are strong. That fool won't know what hit him. So keep sharing the story of how you became you. I believe you. Do you feel like you've made it to a good place in your recovery? And maybe you could share your story with others to give them some hope that things will improve? Or maybe some support in knowing that they aren't the only ones who've been through something similar? You can send in your survivor stories to ibelieveyourabuse at gmail.com. And it may be discussed on the show or posted in a support forum on the website to help other survivors. Did you guys know we have a lot of resources for you on our website at ibelieveyourabuse.com? There are resources including support groups, meetings, and professionals that specialize in narcissistic abuse, and you can search by country or state if you're in the U.S. I'm constantly adding to this list, so if you have a lead on a therapist qualified to work with narcissistic abuse or know of a support group in your area, send an email and I can update the list. There's no reason for this to be such an isolating experience. We need to be here to support each other, and support groups are so helpful to many people that are without a proper support system.